Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Annie Argeropolo Palmer is subject leader for music at the University of Birmingham School in Birmingham, England. She is also a visiting lecturer in music education at Goldsmiths, University of London. Trained at the Universities of Manchester and London, Annie is a passionate advocate of high-quality music education for all. She discovered Music First whilst looking for ways to further democratize music A-level while simultaneously improving efficiency for herself and her team. I met Annie in person a few weeks ago, and I was immediately drawn to her passion and enthusiasm for music education. It is my distinct pleasure to have her on our podcast this week. So Annie, it is wonderful to have you on our podcast. I met you uh, last week. Uh, When this uh, podcast goes live, it'll be sometime in November, but we met in the beginning of October uh, at your beautiful school there in Birmingham. Um, so I, I'm, as soon as I saw what you were doing uh, with our tools and, and, your, and you were telling me about your music program, I knew I had to have you on the podcast. So thank you very much for taking the time out to speak with us and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jim. No, it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you. And it was, it was great to have you and Richard here in school um, last week. Great. So um, for our listeners, Annie, I'd love to hear about, because the British kind of music education system is so different from the US. Um, mm. I'd love to hear about, you know, when, when you were in, I, I don't know what, here we call it high school. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. yeah. So when you were in that, that kind of stage of your, you know, how did you get uh, from, from being a music student uh, to being yeah. a teacher? So um, when um, you're in primary school here, so when you're um, kind of age five through to 11, um, you do um, music in, 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 in your school day um, and you uh, often have the opportunity to start learning an instrument through um, one of the what used to be the local music services which were run by the kind of um, county council so the kind of uh, local administration government administration and um, I had um, some of the music come into my primary school and play the cello and I thought well that sounded super cool and and um, brilliant and so I signed up to have a go and that was um, kind of back in the 90s when there was lots of um, funding or a relatively high amount of funding for those kind of programs and so I got accepted onto lessons which were free um, with my friend Felicity and we started learning with a wonderful teacher called Jill through the music service she came into our primary school and um, then that when I when I moved across to secondary school, the provision I was in the same 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 area, Shropshire, where there's still a fantastic county music service actually, um, and yeah, the provision carried on, and I could have the same teacher, and um, 
that could carry through into my secondary education. So kind of 11 through to 16 years old. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed playing the, playing the cello and I got really involved in lots of the um, county area um, music ensembles. So orchestras and choir and made lots of friends through doing that. And um, just really loved it, loved making the music, loved, loved the friends that I made. And when I came to choosing my A-levels, so um, here in the UK, when you get to age 16, you take your kind of end of formal schooling exams called GCSEs, and then you get to pick, if you want to carry on in kind of academic studies, you pick three or four A-level subjects that you study for two years um, and your A-levels and um, go on to uh, university if you wish. So um, I decided then that I would like to study music because I'd enjoyed it so much. So um, I went on to sixth form with a wonderful teacher called uh, Dave Place and studied um, for A-level music. And I just absolutely loved it, loved the course. Um, and that was what led me to decide to study music at university. So uh, I then went off to the University of Manchester and um, read music there, a very kind of traditional music degree where I um, studied uh, cello with Emma Ferrand and studied um, music history and analysis and a little bit of composition and then got to the end of the, my music degree and had to decide what to do to make some money. So um, at the time the government here were running a, like um, um, a kind of program to encourage graduate into teaching and music was one of those so I got a three to do a little bit of a taster of teaching in, in, in a secondary school and then um, went down to London to the Institute of Education and trained to be a teacher. Yeah, it's, yeah, that, that's a, it's very it's very different. Um, uh, you know, we have a formal. You know, when you go to university, you decide whether you want to be a performance major, a music education major, a music business, ah. what have you. So that uh, you're in that track. For the vast yeah. majority of people choose the music education track if they yeah. if they're a little bit nervous about whether they can make a living, uh, you know, as a performer. Yeah. So it's very and and the other thing I just remember you saying you and my wife are both from the same yeah. town, <laughs> of Shrewsbury, yeah, up there, Shrewsbury up there, Shrewsbury. <laughs> so it's a very very yeah. small world. Very so in a very small town. So how did you get from, um, you know, once you were through with the, uh, the, the Institute getting uh, in London, getting your education um, degree or, or certification, how did you end up at where you are now at the University of Birmingham School? Um, so I took up a job when I was uh, first qualified at a fantastic school called Pimlico Academy in central London and had a really fantastic um, seven-ish years there, seven, eight years there um, with, with some fantastic colleagues. Um, and then I wanted to move a bit closer to home to be um, near my family and where I'd grown up and the job came up um, for, the, for a new school that was being um, built called the University of Birmingham School, which is where you came to meet me. And so I, I moved back to the Midlands and so I've been here now, this will be my fifth year, the fifth year the school's been open um, and, and yeah, so I moved up here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful facility. I mean, it, yeah. absolutely stunningly beautiful. So a brand new school yeah. and you close to family. That's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And, and the ethos of the, the school, the vision behind the school is, is really exciting. It's not too dissimilar to, to Pimlico Academy where I was before in that um, it's looking to provide kind of outstanding state inclusive education. Um, so that was a, a really important um, factor for me in in choosing to come come to this school so 
Right, and and so just for our listeners in the in the uh, you know not from outside of the UK, a state yeah. school in the UK is what we would call a public school, meaning that it's free uh -huh. education mm -hmm. where you live. And in the UK, a public school is what we would call a private school. So yeah. <laughs> it's very confusing. Uh, but unit so the University of Birmingham school yeah. they is a state school, meaning these students aren't paying yeah. fees to come there. They're, no. are, are they yeah, auditioning yeah. to get into the school? No, it's, it's completely um, um, non-selective. Um, it's entirely based like um, what we would call kind of comprehensive school here, just based on um, how close you live to admission points. So usually the admission point in the UK is where the school is located. Our school is actually quite interesting because we have three admission points across the city of Birmingham because one of the missions of the school is um, looking to um, um, increase the um, diversity and the, the kind of uh, amount that different communities in Birmingham interact. Um, so we have students coming from three um, different points in the city where there are quite different demographics of, of people living. Yeah, I mean, Birmingham is, uh, for those of you that don't know, Birmingham is the second largest city in, in England. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. extremely diverse. Uh, it yeah. is, in my, I mean, it's to me, to my uh, American eyes, it's even more diverse than uh, London. Um, and that, so you're pulling from all these different communities. It's just a wonderful, yeah. it's really a wonderful kind of idealistic situation yeah. you have there. Yeah, yeah. And the university are really, um, they have, uh, they were set up um, around uh, 1900. Um, and one of the um, key kind of ideas when the university was originally set up was that it should be to promote the um, advancement of the city as a whole and the and the uh, oh. advancement of the of the citizens of Birmingham. So the idea with with the school when the university set up the school was to try and kind of continue that and look to kind of um, yeah promote kind of um, positive um, diverse diversity in Birmingham. That's great. So um, why don't you describe your music program there? I, I, I'm, because you built mm. it from scratch, you were there at the mm -hmm. beginning. So give us yes. an idea of, of exactly the types of things you're doing with your students. So in the UK, we have um, compulsory music education through what we call Key Stage 3. So for most schools, that's years 7, 8 and 9. So when the students are 11 to 14 years old. And um, here in the UK, those years, um, the, the music learning is generally, I think what you guys would call, um, in America would call kind of general musicianship. So we tend to look at topics or themes and the students will look at developing performance skills, composition skills, uh, improvisation, oral skills, um, all around that, whatever that topic is. So it might be the blues and you might teach them uh, the kind of stylic, stylistic characteristics to be able to play the 12-bar blues on, on a range of instruments. They might put that together to perform um, as a group and um, you might, you know, develop that understanding of um, chords through, through that unit. Um, and that's the majority of our teaching. So we would teach um, a class of between, say, 25 and, and 30 children. Um, and in year seven, they have an hour of, of that music lesson, type of lesson a week. Um, and uh, year eight have three hours a fortnight here at this school. And year nine have um, an, an hour a week. So that's the majority of what we do. And then students can elect to continue studying music um, at the next stage, we call Key Stage 4. Um, and we study GCSE here. So the students, again, they do a mix of performing, composition, and listening and appraising 
around different topics set by the board, um, very broad, um, looking at some Western classical traditions, some um, popular music, some world musics, um, some kind of blues and jazz. Then that we have about uh, 60 students who, who opt to continue through um, Key Stage 4, which is uh, kind of 15 and 16 year olds. And then we have a small number of students who carry on to study A-level with us. Um, this year, a really small class of three, which the other day is actually the average for um, British A-level uh, music classes. So we've got really small numbers um, generally, as, as a general rule, taking, taking A-level music um, these days. And, uh, it's a big thing in the media about um, different initiatives that came in that have kind of, um, lots of people argue, have led to a decrease in numbers taking A-level music. But yes, we have three students who study that course. And again, it's focused around performance composition, and um, listening and analysis, kind of studying through Western classical tradition, looking in a lot more detail at uh, mostly kind of uh, late rock um, to kind of 20th century. Um, um, we also do a unit on, on jazz, and then next year they'll study on um, 20th century music. All right, so um, just to, to go back for a second, so you've got basically everybody in Key Stage 3, what we would call middle school mm -hmm. over here, mm -hmm. uh, having some, uh, either anywhere from an hour to three hours, mm -hmm. uh, you know, either a week or, or for every other week. Mm -hmm. um, and then at Key Stage 4, which we would call like ninth and 10th grade, um, there, the population drops off there. It's, these are students mm -hmm. who are definitely have shown more interest are keenly kind of mm -hmm. make, thinking about doing their A levels at some point, but they're not committing yet. Yeah. And then what we would mm -hmm. call 11th grade, which you would call A levels there. Um, you know, these mm -hmm. are students who plan on going to university to study. Is that, would that yeah. be? So, yeah, absolutely. And they might not want to go music at uni but they would um, certainly be students that really enjoy music and that uh, have reached a quite a high level of proficiency on the instrument or the or voice that they that they um, have as their first study. Yeah so that, I mean that's great. Do you have I think that a, a lot of Americans think of England as a you know very comprehensive approach to music education in the classes but the the, the major differences that I've seen over my last seven years going back and forth between the two countries is that uh, in America, performance is, is the primary focus um, of, a, of, a, of a high school or a middle school music program. So mm. do you have, do you have mm. performing ensembles? Are there regular concerts? Is that a, a big part of your yeah, program? We, yeah, we absolutely do. Um, but that takes more of the form of our, what we would call here our enrichment program. So we have um, three choirs, two orchestras, um, a samba school, two jazz bands, a kind of um, um, improvisatory ensemble um, and they all happen um, around the core curriculum so students can opt any student can opt to be part of those and and we try and provide a real range of different music activities so somewhere students can participate even if they have um, very limited prior experience in, in music maybe they join us in year seven having not really done much in primary school and then we have ensembles where, so chamber orchestra at the moment are looking at the first movement of Mozart Symphony Number no. 40. So we have a kind of real range of, of um, musical experiences that the students can be involved in. And those ensembles are, are really all open access. We wouldn't stop students joining any of them. None of them are auditioned for us. Some, some schools would have auditioned ensembles. Um, but yeah, the students elect to be part of those. And we have 
around 200 students a week involved in those different ensembles wow. um, and making music with us before school and after school most of there are slots and that's on top of the the classes that they either have to do or they elect to do all right so the the, the million dollar question is are you seriously doing all of that instruction yourself or are there there are other members of your music <laughs> <laughs> yes so i have the pleasure of a wonderful colleague called hetty um and we are the primary um classroom teachers and then we deliver a lot of the um, enrichment ensembles. So we direct, between us, we direct senior choir, junior choir, chamber ensemble and symphony orchestra. Um, but we have a fantastic team of colleagues that come in from the Birmingham Music Service and, su and support us to deliver the rest of, of what we do. So um, fantastic, co fantastic colleagues like um, Guy Morley, who leads our brass ensemble, uh, John Fleming, who does jazz, um, James Dickinson, who does junior jazz, lo lots of uh, different colleagues that come in and, 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 and chip in and, and make a really important contribution to what we're doing too. We also have um, teachers who come in and, and give uh, instrumental lessons, so either in individually or pair or small group. Um, and in total, those colleagues, um, uh, there's 12 of them that come in um, at some point during the week and um, visit us and, and kind of join the team. Yeah, so for every music teacher in America listening, what, what, I, what is so different is that schools, uh, you know, when you're listening to Annie's teaching load and the number of ensembles, no human being can do all of that. So many, many, many schools <laughs> in the UK will contract with what are known, used to be hubs or music services, yeah. and they'll contract with that music service to supply them with really what we would think of as part-time instructors that come in and do something very specialized um, so that it kind of takes the burden off the school to employ 12 music teachers. They can employ two full time yeah. and then they contract these services. It's, it's a really fascinating system. Yeah. So, uh, that's great. So um, yeah. Annie, we're going to shift gears and talk about technology because uh, that is yeah. the, the primary. Yes, great. So I'd love to know how you yeah, yeah. got interested in technology. That comprehensive approach that you're talking about lends itself perfectly to it. Yeah. But I'd like to know how you personally said, yeah. I think I want to start incorporating this. So for us, um, it, was, it was really, um, our, the schools that I've worked in, comprehensive state schools, um, there's a very small number um, of students from schools like, like mine. I, I went to a school like this, a comprehensive state school who go on to study music at university. It's mostly in the UK, students who go on to study music at university um, and even conservatoire are um, predominantly from the private, private sector. And um, for us, we were trying to make sure that our teaching enabled any students that wanted to from, from the, school, the school that we were teaching in, school I am teaching in now, to be able to um, reach those high levels of attainment that would enable them to go on to study music at university and one thing that we found time and time again was was really difficult to to develop um to, to the level required were the oral skills and we found and i experienced this as a student to really develop the high level oral skills that that were needed for kind of top grades at a level or for um kind of secure access onto top programs like maybe choral scholarships at oxbridge um, just there just wasn't the time in school there wasn't the foundation the time to lay the foundations lower down um, in younger years and 
was you were kind of heavily relying either on just managing to get by yourself or maybe some some extra tuition maybe from a private teacher that you had or you know an, uh, your your piano teacher who might who might kind of work on that with you and for us that didn't seem right that didn't seem fair because relying on parents you know largely parents being able to support um additionally and and that was meaning that that you just didn't have that that access for all that we are so passionate um about so so we've got to do something about this we need to be incorporating more um theory skills and oral skills right you know, right from the get-go so that by the time any student gets to key stage four and wants to pick gcse they're going to have the the theory and the oral background that is going to mean they can really succeed and if they want to go on to a level they're going to you know they're going to be able to do that and they're going to be able to get the top grades and it's just not possible i don't think um to do that with students if you can't practice a lot with them you know like you can't get them to learn how to recognize the difference between a perfect and a plagal cadence unless they can just practice doing it loads of times and you know you can't go home with them and, and do that with them in their bedroom yeah. we, needed to, we needed to harness technology to be able to enable us to do to 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 put in place that level of practice and and we needed to make it manageable for us so you know, it wasn't manageable for us to send them home with CDs and get them to fill in booklets and come back and mark them. It was just, it was too much work. Just, it just wasn't feasible. Right, right. We were, we were looking for something that could fill the gap. And actually, we, we first of all came across Aurelia, a musician, and we, we did buy into those for our A-level students as, as cloud additions. But we were completely stumped because we couldn't afford to do it for students lower down. We just couldn't afford the individual cloud licenses. So you know, we saw something that could be used and we just couldn't afford to do it. And so we had a couple of years of being really frustrated and even going to, to companies and saying, look, we, can you make something like this for us? How much would it cost? And you know, massive, there's a massive need, you know, I'm sure loads of people would want it, but everyone said, well, it's just, you know, it's just not feasible to, to do that amount of work. And, you know, it just, it just isn't possible. And so uh, we've, we eventually came across finding you guys and it was, exciting for us because suddenly we had uh, technology that could do what we we needed and what we knew technology always should be able to do but nobody had been able to do for us in in an affordable way before and so we started using music first um last academic year so september 2018 um, and small just looking first of all with our a-level students um to be able to to um set different practice questions um, and be able to review content um, and then with lower down the school being able to start building in theory practice oral practice um, from, from you know from the youngest ages um, and then we realized how fantastic it was for solving another big problem we had which was how we could secure and save somewhere their um, practical and composition work that they were doing because we we found that especially with um, Ofsted which is the kind of inspector at the country and looks at state schools in the UK and even with our own senior leadership in school they'd come into music lessons and think it was fantastic and then they'd say great what you know what have they been doing in the five six lessons previously how much progress they've made and we'd say oh yeah hang on uh, let's just look through this iPad where we've got saved and we'll try and find you what they were doing a few weeks ago and you can see how much progress they've made and that was really satisfactory and it, wasn't and it wasn't working well so we started using the facility um, as well as a real online classroom where um, 
we and the students can keep a record of their work and, and the, we can write feedback, the students can write back to us and, and they end up with this really exciting online portfolio that they can look back over their five or five years and, and be able to see all the fantastic work that they've done, kind of save there in, in one place and, and be able to kind of see their, their journey, I suppose. It's, um, I have a, a smile a mile wide listening to you, Annie. <laughs> um, it's so nice to hear when people are using it the way it was originally intended and the idea yeah. of the technology helping you, the idea of the technology doing things. You, know, you mentioned the drill and practice kind of yeah. mentality. I, I, I teach at uh, Columbia University. I was talking about this with my students the other night is that a lot of people call that kind of software drill and kill software that, you know, you're mm. all the joy out of it. Well, the reality is the students need to practice over and over with something yeah. that has infinite amounts of patience. Yeah. Uh, and, and oral skills is one of those things. If it, it, Without that kind of hours and hours and hours of practice, yeah. you, you don't, you just simply don't get better. No, um, I had, I had a really interesting um, conversation with a colleague, um, Joanna, who trained over in Poland and she said, you know, for them, she went to a specialist music school from a young age and they would have hours of, of specialist music lessons developing these skills. And she was making exactly the same point. It's just not, you no way to democratize that, to, to make that access available for anyone who wants it unless you use technology. Because exactly like you say, you, you've got to practice. And there's a big emphasis over here in the UK at the moment on um, pr uh, deliberate practice, recall, and the kind of, kind of cognitive science um, of of learning that has kind of um, kind of been growing over the last decade, and and so it's just it's just not possible to do without technology, exactly like you say. And so for us, it's super exciting, and and it makes our workload possible. Which you know, otherwise it's it, it you you just feel like you're fighting a losing battle because exactly. So um, I, I remember meeting you and, and just talking to you now. I, I, you're just, you have an infectious passion about, about music <laughs> education, so it's wonderful. Could you describe some of the projects that you do with your students, how you're using Music First in your classes? Just to, like two yeah. or three examples of what you're doing. Yeah, of course. So one of the things that we do, um, which works really well for us, is that um, at, the, at three points through the year, um, students have... Um, uh, formal kind of assessment points we call them and that's where we collect data to submit to senior management about how they're doing and we organize that in the same way that the GCSE and A-level um, standardized examinations are organized so they do some performance some composition some uh, listening and appraising and the listening and appraising was always incredibly difficult for us to do well lower down the school um, because we have large numbers of students that we see and um, just marking creating a marking papers um, that number of times in the year was really tricky and also didn't really feel like it had that much impact because they couldn't practice the skills in between. So the time that you were investing as a teacher wasn't really translating into progress for the students. And now uh, we've used Music First and the assessment function of Music First to develop um, both practice tests um, or kind of drill practice like, like we were talking about and um, assessments for these key points where um, we use almost exclusively the self-marking features and design questions that allow it to be self-marking. And the students then can sit that exam, get really quick instant feedback that doesn't make our workload more, more onerous. And um, importantly, they can practice the skills building up to that in between. So we're able to prepare them much better for GCSE study and for A-level study. And we're able to really meaningfully take 
their learning forward in the in in that strand of our curriculum in the listening and appraising or the, or the oral skills the theory um, and context aspects and that's that's one of the most exciting things that we've been able to do with with key stage three and it has a really big impact on um on what the students what the students are learning and, and the progress that they're making that's fantastic um what what are you using things like soundtrap and noteflight with your students we're not at the moment we have okay. bid with our management to see if we can get some um, oh that's right that's right so, soundtrap and noteflight, which we would we'd love because we don't have access um at the moment for the students to be able to do sequencing tasks or little um like improvisation over a backing track or anything like that from from home and we'd we'd really like to be able to do that particularly for gcse students for example right. So right. that, that's an area that we'd, uh, yeah, really, really like to develop into moving forwards. But you, so you're using Aurelia and Musician and Focus on Sound, is that right? Yeah, we do. So on top of the kind of um, assessments that we build ourselves in, in the Music First classroom, we do use um, Aurelia and Musician. We use those mostly for homework tasks um, where they, you know, we can just set, say, treble or bass clef notation reading and they can, they can practice questions, um, you know, 40 questions at home and they can do that um, once a week or once a fortnight and it has a big impact on how quickly they're able to recall that and use that then in lessons and we focus on sound for particularly for GCSE actually for kind of um, particularly we really love using the, the glossary on there so if students can't remember keywords they can go and hear what that keyword is all about and 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 really have it um, made made sense of for them which which is is so important for music I think um, we also set them kind of revision topics off there. Uh, really nice. And the quizzes at the end of sections, um, they they really enjoy and it's a good test of their of their knowledge and understanding of right. exam related things. So yeah, we use those too. So, but yeah, I mean, so you're using it. I remember when you were showing me your your classroom and your class overview, and I just saw so much content mm. in there. So you're creating a lot of this on your own. You're making your own. So you feel very comfortable. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we kind of started doing that from the get go because I think I think we had an idea in mind that we wanted to be able to use the software to really develop the, the listening and appraising skills, the oral skills, the theory aspects of our students. And so we wanted to be able to do, um, you know, their assessments, their listening and appraising assessments on there for Key Stage 3. We wanted to be able, them to be able to practice for those things. So we kind of jumped straight into building assessments through the classroom and I found it really pretty easy. It, it does take some time to build um, the test that you want to use. You've, you've shown me a, a quick way where we can edit some of your content, which is going to be really helpful. Um, but um, yeah, we, we find it good, you know, and you do, you do put the time in to create the stuff, but then you can use it next year. Year after year, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, fascinating. So I would love to get your, um, your advice, if you will, on, um, I mean, you've been teaching, I think if I've done my math right, around 12 years, so maybe you're in your 13th year of teaching or 12th year. Yeah, I think, yeah, something like that, 11, 12. Yeah. There you go. So um, <laughs> you, you definitely have, you're, you're a veteran. You're, you've been doing this for a while. <laughs> um, what, what advice would you give to other music teachers who might be considering incorporating technology or, or who might yeah. even be afraid of it? What, what would your advice be to them? See, I, I mean, I think that, I, I mean, I don't know how music teachers, we, I tried for so long to think of ways to effectively develop students kind of oral and theory. So stu stu by students here, I suppose I'm talking about 
our whole student population. So these are students who, who the majority of whom won't be having in individual or paired or even small group instrumental or vocal lessons. So they won't have any exposure to music education outside of um, the music classes that we're teaching them where we're kind of looking at the blues as a whole class. And they just can't develop the, the, the range and depth of skills that we need for, you know, to, to be able to sequence their learning onto university without using technology in some way. So I would say that, you know, it's, it works brilliantly and it makes your workload manageable. And it means that you can really take and, and enable them and, and empower them to be able to access music um, at Key Stage 4 and Key Stage 5 and then higher education if, if they want. Um, I think from that point of view, it's an, it's an absolute no-brainer. And it's in a way, through, through the Music First Classroom, it is in a way which is affordable even for um, state schools and reduced budgets. So, right. So, but the jump right in, the kind of... So this type of jump right in and do it. Um, I mean, how did you learn it? Was it just like from making mistakes or, or did you get trained? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, basically just jumping in, it's pretty, um, what's the word? You know, you, it, it, how you think it would work, it, it works. So intuitive. yeah, intuitive. So I, I don't think we found it too tricky and, um, we, we, Rich is really helpful. Um, if we need, if we need, kind of if we're stuck with something and we've we've been on on email with your your tech team and juliana a little bit who who've been super helpful um but but honestly it's not it's thing that um, myself or my colleague have found too tricky um at all to get our heads around we, we use quite a lot of programs in school whether it's class charts or schools buddy or anything like that so we're fairly used to using different different systems i suppose and and so yeah that that be frightening to us and um, I guess for maybe old, maybe older colleagues who feel more anxious about using technology in the classroom, um, I suppose just seeing how other other schools use it would be would be probably um, yeah a really good way to just see that it 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 works and it's it's, right. it's not it's not hard to use at all. I would definitely um, yeah I would definitely say go for it because it will reduce your work. I like that. I like that a lot. I appreciate that. So now I get to my my final question for you, Annie, and I really appreciate the time because I know that you're no five hours ahead, so you're probably ready to go home. <laughs> I'm ready to go pick up my two-year-old from nursery. <laughs> uh, there you go. So my apologies to her. her no, worries. no worries. So, uh, uh, my, my final question is, uh, if you could wave a magic wand and have music first do something that it doesn't currently do, uh, what yeah. would it be? Oh, I think this is tricky. There's, I, I, we spoke when we met the other day about a couple of like really small things. Um, so um, something that, that you, you said we would be able to have, um, which was like little drop down menus in the classes because we've got so much content that it would just help it to be a bit more organized. And there was one that I thought of that I forgot to mention um, that would just be, it would be really useful for us to be able to delete content from our school library with a music first where we've made something that hasn't oh. quite worked. Um, as a, as a tiny thing, um, kind of bigger scale. Hmm. I think, I mean, for us, we would love to wave a magic wand and have a, a soundtrack and note flight so that we could have students do composition elements from home, which would, um, here that's 30% of the GCSE and A-level courses for us. So that would really be helpful. And that's something which exists already. Um, I think we would love to be able to pause time, <laughs> just create, just create all the content and the units that we want for 
be use for all of our students. So it's, it's there and ready. And I know we'll get there in the end. But if we could just kind of get there so that we weren't playing catch up for, for a year or two while we, while we get on top of that, that would be, that would be trying to work-life balance and trying to make our workload more manageable. Um, we'd love it if our um, school IT systems and that we've got an amazing IT department, but again, kind of restricted budgets and things mean that just IT doesn't work so well. And that's <laughs> right. I no, would I, love I, to I, have I, like, yeah, everyone yeah, on this side of the pond uh, is shaking their heads <laughs> in agreement. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, no, you've given us a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's, and 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 the and the good news is, Annie, a lot of what you've described, and when when we met in person, is yeah. is, is on the uh, roadmap for for getting done. So hopefully, uh, you'll be thrilled. Uh, I'll call yeah. them Annie features, and we'll. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> so, Eddie, it, it really delightful uh, conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time at the end of your school day no to worries. talk with us. And um, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll put. Um, I don't know if if the, do you do you have a website for your school music department? Yeah, uh, we have a website for the school, um, but not for us as a music department. We do have Twitter, but we don't really ever get around to doing anything all right very good i might i might put a link to your school site so that listeners can yeah see that would be great facility well thanks Thank again so annie I, I really Not appreciate it and and i look forward to uh talking thank to you, you so much thank you so much jim it's been a pleasure take uh, care you too thank you for listening to profiles in teaching with technology from music first for more information about music first please visit www.musicfirst.com if you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.